0: everyone. Welcome back to Brave New Workforce, the podcast that is changing the way the world works. My name is Anna Kodina. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Trip Odell and Larry Quinette. Uh, today, we're going to try to dispel some of the negative connotations associated with remote work and dive into where companies could potentially save money by looking at a more remote future. So Larry, I mean, you've been in Silicon Valley for a long time. What are your thoughts on on some of the negative connotations uh, people with a, a, an invested interest have?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I've been working with remote and distributed teams for decades. I mean, it was. it started for me, I think, at eBay and then definitely at Yahoo. We had teams all over the world. And so we had employees in offices in other countries. We had employees working alone in some locations. So remote isn't new. It's just something that's become a large issue now that we're all working remote. And there definitely were some kind of negative feelings about remote. And if you look at, gosh, it wasn't that long ago that a lot of Silicon Valley CEOs kind of pulled back on it and they said, you know what? No more remote employees. Let's pull everybody back into the home office because we need more innovation. We need more velocity. We need a better culture. And remote is not good for that.
2: Larry, I wonder if... You told those same leaders, you said, Look, I can wave a magic wand and say, because uh, the thing that you hear is that, well, we need people on site uh, because otherwise, how can you have innovation in those water cooler moments and those moments of uh, aha that you have collectively? And say, Okay, you can, I'm going to wave a magic wand. You can all go back to work tomorrow in the office, but I'm going to take all the whiteboards with me. Is it still worth going? Right, uh, because I think, I think there's this bias around. It's it's like people from the coasts that you say, "Well, there's this great job. It's in Chicago." It's like I don't think I could move that far away from the ocean. I need to be near water. And was like, when's that last time you went to the beach? And it's like two years ago. Uh, because, it, so, so I think there's this, yeah. there's this fear of the unknown. There's this fear of how could this work? Because it is foreign. I mean, when you look at this idea of. Even the way that we talk, like, okay, so take web pages, for example, like web pages back in the day, back when Larry and I were getting started, they looked like pieces of paper. People would treat them like pieces of paper, and that's how you would lay things out, and it was very much of a paper-based publishing model, and then as things evolved and grew... We thought differently about how the web should work how it should work differently on a phone or in a browser so i think there is a mindset shift that has to happen and this is the opportunity for companies to attract and get that bounce out of coming out of this into something that's way better if they're willing to experiment and be a little bit more innovative in how they work and how they think about where they work
1: yeah i mean i think i think that's true i think You know, as I said, we had remote work before the pandemic began. We've all got experience with it. Anna, you've been working remotely for almost your entire career. I mean, have you witnessed some of this on your side where as a remote employee, it feels like maybe you're not getting treated quite the same as the people who are in the office that maybe they don't respect your work as much as someone who's sitting in the cubicle next to them?
0: I think it depends because if I'm coming in on a consulting basis, then of course uh, respect gets kind of thrown out the window because the people that you're consulting for are usually the person that, uh, like the CEO, or they need outsider perspective and insight. But I have been part of teams where they work in the office and I'm kind of the remote employee or remote elsewhere. And no, I, I honestly think that there are kind of, learning moments, each, each company you are, you're working with, everybody works a little differently. So there's can be a bit of a learning curve, but for the most part, if, if they're already used to remote employees, either in the Philippines, because they have a, a virtual assistant already in place, or they have teams spread out throughout the United States, they're used to having p- employees go on vacation and just check in, it's usually quite easy to kind of connect and get good work done. If anything, um, being an outsider is a little more helpful, especially in the content marketing space, because you can really sit down and focus on... The work that you need to do without being kind of badgered by the rest of the world. So, um, it's been benefits to me, for the most part, when it comes to a remote employee coming into a physical uh, company model.
2: I, I think, like for me, yeah, I've said this to, to you all a lot, is that like the idea of remote is is almost like that idea of calling it a web page, right? It's like we don't have another word to call it yet because we don't quite fully understand it, but that that distinction between well there's one person who is remote from everyone else so they are remote versus an organization that is regionally unrestricted or distributed teams that can be in many different locations that's different that's not remote if nobody's in the office nobody's remote uh because everybody read out (laughs) so it's it it doesn't it i mean just for me it's like an oxymoron it doesn't make sense and i think There's this resistance to, like, well, how can we have meetings? We have Zoom fatigue, which is a real thing, but that's because your meeting culture is broken. Uh, When you're doing it over video, you can record it. People, not everybody needs to be in the meeting, but they need to know what was said in the meeting. Can you record that? Can you replay it? We've even fallen back to using tools like Descript, which is a video editing software that transcribes all of the text in the video and you have perfect notes and you have all of that knowledge management that just goes right back into the system and doesn't get lost and you have exactly what the boss said to do in that meeting or the direction that was given it drives clarity but it's a different way of thinking about how to do the work uh, and if that's just one tiny example there's many many examples for how this is differently uh, the, how this works differently what do you think larry
1: yeah i mean i've said before remote works when everyone works remote. And I think, to your point, it's like, yeah, what do you call it when everyone's remote? It's like, are you remote? You're just a distributed team that is asynchronously working together across time zones. It's like, okay. But I think the biggest problem that I've seen with it to date until this moment is that there are a lot of unintentional things that happen. You You have people that you forget to dial into a meeting. We were just talking about that. You have people that are in the meeting, but you forget they're on the phone. I've been in those meetings. They're like, wow, we never said anything to the person on the phone. It's like, how rude. We should have asked them to give some input. And then all the things that happened on campus, all the good stuff, right? You had the birthday parties and you have the offsites, and you have all these kind of ad hoc things that happen because you're physically together. But now that we're all working from home in other locations, it's a level playing field. And that is the first time, that's what I think is so momentous about what's happening right now. Everyone from the C-level down to the entry-level employee, and I just had a meeting with a couple of C-level folks and they were in their backyard. (laughs) It was like, this is the first time my entire 20 plus year career, I've met with a C-level executive and they're, they're in their backyard on their patio. It's like, wow, we're all on a level playing field using the same tools, using the same processes having the same benefits as you were talking about and also the things that are challenging for the first time ever. It's incredible.
2: So I, I've been talking to a lot of C-levels as well recently. Um, I tend to advise much younger sort of startups, uh, like founders that are like pre-seed or in their A or B round. Those founders tend to be a little younger, but th- that's the advantage of being in a startup is they don't know what they don't know. They haven't actually internalized these habits that people that are sort of Gen X and maybe even a little older or some of the older millennials, they've learned this way of working over the first decade or two of their career. And so it's like, well, this is just how it's supposed to work. And these younger companies that are nimble, the ones that are going to be the next phase of disruption, the next Facebook, the next Google, the next Apple, people say, well, you have to be young. Actually, what you have to be is open-minded about a right. different way of doing something. I mean, Apple famously said, think different. That's kind of what Steve Jobs's thing was, was that he would look at a problem and he'd flip it on its head and come up with a, a better way of solving that problem. And that's what I think the companies that are gonna be successful coming out of this is that they are going to innovate in their culture. They are going to innovate in the way that they think about work. They're going to innovate in the way that they actually execute work and the expectations for everybody on the team so that it is shared responsibility but clear autonomy on where they're going to work.
0: Yeah, I think when we transition into digital, it can be so easy to take what we used to know or what we know... um, before this pandemic or before uh, doing this and trying to fit it fit the uh, the square into the circle right but what what I'm hearing both Larry and trip you guys are saying you kind of have to adapt to this new medium it's a totally different animal really that um, you can't really use the same sort of tools and techniques that you've been using for the last 10 20 years because it's different um, people are getting a different sort of vibe um, a different sort of it's a different way the brain is organizing information and um, it no longer people are no longer getting up I guess to go get water they just kind of have to sit there and they're on their computers focus focus focused so trying to incorporate little things like what you had before coffee breaks or whatever might not necessarily work with their workflow or personality and and, and whatnot
2: so it's funny you talk about that in an my I came from a big military family. My dad was was in the military for 38 years. He also had a very successful civilian career, um, but he's one of those proto remote workers. He was either in sort of big institutional sales and had a territory, and he was always out around with customers, which is that people have been doing that for years and years and years. And then in his career with the Marine Corps, he they have a culture that is very much about very clear on what is your scope of responsibility, your scope of command, what your unit does. And it's, it's piece in the puzzle. Uh, and that culture is built around that accountability and built around this idea of like, we're, they literally have this idea of the fog of war. We're going to throw you into a highly ambiguous situation where you don't have time to ask the boss what to do. You need to know, what the right things to do are, or the eighty percent right thing to do is, and hope for the best and go for it, uh, and that's something that's missing in corporate America, uh, if in large part it's been very much this factory model of top down, and you know just because you have a have a team meeting and you ask the team how they're feeling, that doesn't mean that there's a joint sort of sense of authority or a joint sense of autonomy. I mean, Larry. You've, you've been at that echelon of the executive tier in a tech company. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I've seen the biggest failures in leadership. It would be the individuals who didn't realize that your best outcome is to have a team that can operate independently. You don't wanna be so crucial that your team can accomplish nothing without you present. They can't accomplish anything without your constant guidance. You're hiring incorrectly, you're managing incorrectly, and you're a poor leader if you're constantly trying to control your team and the outcomes.
0: I would like to just add to what Larry's saying that even in a remote, uh, sorry, in a physical office space, people can get away with a lot, especially when there aren't a lot of accountability structures in place. Um, and it takes people a lot longer to realize uh, through because there's not a, not a lot of kind of like paper trail or accountability or, or, Kind of follow through. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. There's not a lot of follow through in uh, a physical model that things can slip through the cracks quite easily. And if if somebody forgot, it's not like that. Not big. It's not that big of a deal because a bunch of other people forgot as well. In the remote setting, it's very difficult to get away with "quote unquote" forgetting or being kind of taking a back seat to the team.
1: Yeah, you just you reminded me of a, a situation I ran into many years ago at Apple, where because of the fact that we were all in a physical building together, you get a little sloppy I and mean, a little lazy about documenting anything. You're in a meeting you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And everybody knows what they're going to do. And we don't write it down anywhere. No one documents anything. And we had some code that was acting up with part of the finder that we were working on. And somebody said, oh man, who wrote that? And they're like, he left the company. He just left the company like two months ago and there's no documentation. So we had to bribe this engineer to come in after hours with pizza and beer <laughs> to come in and help us <laughs> fix the code because no one was documenting anything. They were running fast and loose and taking advantage of the fact that we all were together in the same room. And that is a huge failure. It's, I think that's a crutch that companies have leaned on for so long. And I think there are tremendous benefits to your point, Anna. That everything is being documented and captured so that there's institutional knowledge not going out the door.
0: And I mean, us as brain, like our brains, when we're in a meeting, we feel like we've accomplished something. And so we kind of get those endorphin boosts when we're in a meeting, yeah. but that does just because we've been talking, but no action has been taken. So I think, again, it, we get away with a lot before. What do you think, Tripp?
2: Yeah, I, I think that yes and. Because uh, you guys are just talking about the normal sort of human things get busy. I meant to write that down, but I didn't because I got interrupted or got pulled into this meeting. That happens. Uh, Having things that can passively back that up, whether it's a video recording or a transcription, that's great. The other things that are happening, this is the unmeasured pieces, is what's all the bad stuff that's happening in your workplace. There was a recently an article about, uh, in the financial services industry, people were getting, there was an 8% jump in people violating ethical standards, uh, because they were now remote and their email and their slack and so forth, they'll be like, Oh, let's take this off and go on the phone. And those were compliance issues. Well, that's just because they're forced to work online that's not because that stuff isn't happening and it's out of, it's out of sight, it's out of mind. How much sexual harassment, how much bullying, how much fraud, how much, you know, when you're, when you're forced to work and be accountable and your name is signed up to stuff, whether it's a Jira ticket or something else, when you have that level of accountability and that chain of control throughout your system and that trust that also brings in accountability and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I just read an article which made me shake my
1: head. And it was saying, now that we're all working remotely and we're using all these tools, harassment and bullying has gone up dramatically. It's horrible. And it, and it can't be accounted for and no one's tracking it. And I was like, have you ever worked in a corporate environment? <laughs> They're like, if this happened in a corporate environment, people would see it and it, and it wouldn't be tolerated. It's like, that's absolutely patently false. I have seen so much harassment and bullying in the workplace where there's a power dynamic. I, I've been in meetings with executives who are cursing and screaming and throwing things and no one in the room blinked an eye because, hey, it's the big executive. Everybody shut up and put up with it. It's like, come on, this stuff has been happening. It just wasn't documented. It was happening in hallways. It was happening at offsites. It was happening in hotel rooms. With tools, we actually have a chance to capture it. If you're using, and this is why I was coming back to the processes and tools, is that use the right tools and processes and do not allow things to be going out of channel so that you can track and capture all this stuff. I think behavior will improve dramatically if everyone knows you don't get away with that kind of stuff anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- there's, there's, a, there's a piece of this that goes down to a- absolutely what you said, Larry, it's about power. Uh, and the companies that Are better. Like, I mean, you look at the most the most admired leaders in businesses, in business, you know, the Tony Say, the the Google folks, uh, Jeff Bezos, it doesn't necessarily come across like this, but they actually empower their teams to act. When I was at Amazon, we had this notion called a two-pizza team, which is that you tried to keep the project small enough for to feed Two you know, two p, two large pizzas could feed everybody on the team, in order to get the idea out there and get it tested. And that uh, executives would te- would poke holes and ask lots of questions about what you were doing, but they wouldn't tell you no or not to do it or to stop sometimes they would, but that's because you were wrong. But like, <laughs> I mean, you were badly wrong, but they, it was really about, let's let the customer, let's let the data tell us. Right. And I, I think these very hard-nosed business folks that are like, what about innovation? What about creativity? What about collaboration? How do you measure that? How are you measuring it now? How do you know you have less? Uh, so it's, it, those are, those are the challenges that I think Uh, a self-aware executive is going to be asking themselves on how much better or worse could this be? And could we actually create the culture we would all want to live in? And it doesn't feel as much like work. It's more balanced.
1: No. I mean, I think that's really a great point is that there are so many opportunities I think to do this well and to do this the right way. And there are a lot of myths that are floating around right now about remote work and people supposedly not being as productive. And I think if anything, what we're finding, and you mentioned this earlier, Trip, is that people are working harder than ever. They're working too much. So I think one of the things that we have to talk about is how do we, how do we protect employees who are in reality working harder than ever so that they have better work-life balance, as you were just saying, that it is a good working environment and we're carrying this into the home now. How do we help people create those boundaries so that they can have a good personal life and still be productive?
0: Yeah, um, that's something I, it's always a balance. It's always a delicate one because some months you're just going to have a complete overhaul and work and work, 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 work. And then some other months you can take the day off and work at the, at the beach or something along those lines. So it depends, I guess, even after 13 years of being remote, I still work consciously, regularly with, with trying to balance these two things, especially as somebody who works for myself, it can be so easy to go off the rails and just wake up, work, go to bed and then wake up and work.
2: So it's not all sunshine and unicorn farts. I mean, there are challenges in how we work in this way, right? Like there are, there are challenges around not being in the same room or the same building at the same time. Um, there's challenges in communicating desired outcome versus directing the work. Uh, And those are actually easier to change, but there's some hard challenges like distance and time zones. Uh, You know, I work a lot with clients all over the world, but many on the East coast, and I'm constantly trying to juggle in my head is like, Oh, well, I was told there'd be no math. So is it plus three or minus three? Right. Uh, but I've used tools like Calendly. That just does all that math for me and people just but it's it seems rude to send oh use my calendly link for this meeting that i want to have with you so that you can pick what time it is it's more efficient but it's sort of like telling somebody oh no look at my i'm asking for the meeting but i want you to look at my availability and then just pick a time right it seems like a weird rude way to do it but it's actually a smarter faster way to do it so there's, there's there's some ways to Work around that, but there's also some hard challenges. Like, you get spread out. You, you, you two keep talking about a workforce around the world. I've worked with teams in India. That's hard. An eleven-hour shifting your life by eleven hours is really, really hard, especially when you do need to communicate. So, I think there are there are some challenges, and we should be upfront about that. What do you think, Anna and Larry? We're we're in different time zones, different places, but I think like let's be honest about the challenges of how to scale that kind of a culture.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, when I was at Yahoo, I had teams in Europe, India, Taiwan, China, they were all over. And it'd be easy if it was just one other time zone, but it was like multiple time zones. And so there are times that you need synchronous conversations. But what you try to do is limit those times rather than that being the standard. Like, well, every single week we have three standing meetings and one's at 6 a.m. So you can talk with Germany and the other one's at 10 p.m. So you can talk with India, which I did for a while. And that's not the way to think about this. As we were saying earlier, remote work is an entirely different beast. You have to start to use tools and processes that enable you to be asynchronous and effective. You have to trust your team. So I think part of that, which I discovered, was having somebody in country who was actually kind of my right-hand person that took ownership and they loved it. They're like, wow, we have autonomy and authority to make decisions. So we worked out a process and we said, up to this level of priority, these types of projects, I trust you. Come back to me, You know, send me a report once a week, let me know how it's going. Something that's in this priority level, which we know is going to be a huge issue at the going all the way up to the CEO, let's set up a meeting and have a conversation. But we tried to limit the times that we had to be talking at the same time and work asynchronously as much as possible.
0: Yeah. And honestly, if you optimize it effectively, it can be quite powerful because you literally have a workforce that's working twenty four seven. And I've worked on uh, web development teams where the team in Costa Rica would be working on a, on a very important project. And then by the time, end of day, 5 p.m., they're handing it off to the Ukrainian team, and the Ukrainian team is picking up where they left off and continuing on. So it's as if nobody took a beat or step or slept um, because they were able to utilize uh, the time zones effectively. Also, in, in a kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, if you need to set up meetings on a regular you can always find a night owl. There's tons of them, uh, who would love to work at odd hours of the night and have in meetings from India. I mean, so so many of my creative type friends prefer to work at night and kind of dread the morning eight a.m. meeting. So if I were to tell them, "Hey, meet up with a with some of the guys in India," they would be having a field day for 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 that kind of schedule.
2: So here's the bad news, because. We've made this sound really great, and all the all the good things you can you can do with it, and strategies that you can use to prevent that knowledge loss and to empower your teams. But culture eats strategy for breakfast, uh, and really, this needs to be a cultural change within your company. If you work for one of those companies that has the pre meeting before the meeting that is there to review before the pitch to the CEO, um, that is. It, The top indicator of a broken meeting culture is that people need to double, triple check the work before they get it in front of the CEO who may not even have the context on what they're responding to. So you get into this situation where the teams are protecting the leaders from what they don't want to know, right? And they want the leaders to approve it. When the job of a leader is to be setting the vision, setting the goal, and removing the blockers for the team to do their best work, it is an inversion of that top-down. You, to, you need your people to be empowered and to be able to drive to the result you want. And that is a lot of work. That is culture work. That is being very intentional about the way that you set up your company and the way that you, the expectations you place on employees.
0: Can you give a, a either Larry or Trip? can you give a quick overview and how to best empower your people?
1: You know, I think it, it starts from the top down and it does require having the right kind of leadership team in place. So I think there are some companies that have been working this way from their inception and I think they get it. Their culture began that way. They understood that you never want to be a blocker for somebody, especially as a leader. You don't want a team, and I've seen that happen, blocked for an entire eight hour shift because they needed a decision from leadership. So they weren't empowered to make that decision. So I think the companies that started this way are in the best position to move forward and be successful with this. For the older companies, they're gonna have to take a really hard look at their leadership team. They're gonna have to decide, do we have leaders who can scale and change with this culture to let go of so much control, to trust their teams and to hire the right people, or we have to get new leaders?
0: That's kind of scary for a, b- a bunch of managers and leaders out there. Um, how do they become more adaptive and flexible, so that they're not out of a job in six months?
2: That may not be doable. I mean, some some that's a, okay. That's a habit. Of, okay, okay, calm that's down, of, Mr. I mean, negativity. Like, that, <laughs> well, it's not. Mis- it's Mr. Reality uh, because I think, like I've seen, I've been lucky enough to be a part of a culture like that, like I know I joke in calling Amazon fight club, but there was, there was something that's, it was about the culture and what's encapsulated in the leadership principles. And those are things that we hired on, we screened on, we promoted on, you were evaluated on, it was part of your daily language. So things like ownership, earns trust, hire and develop the best, uh, bias for action, insists on highest standards customer obsession being the first and and most important. Yeah,
0: But that just sounds like a lot of fancy words. I mean, it's not, it's not
2: like I, I, I was in reviews where they would say this needs to move faster. I need some bias from action from you. Right. And you would get measured on these Mm. things. And these, these were the competencies that you were held accountable to. Um, And, Yes, it caused one of my favorite, the ones that I often struggled with, this will surprise you guys, was Backbone Disagree and Commit. Very good at Backbone, having a point of view, being able to defend it with data, being able to have a contrarian point of view. Disagree and commit was the hard part sometimes, but it was about like you can't continue to block action that delivers value for customers and allow perfect to get in the way of the good, right? But it was the operational way. Of like when I was talking with peers or my boss or my directs or the executives, we had this common language and language reflects culture, the expectations on how an Amazonian works. It's a tough environment, probably overly tough, but it came down to the fact it was reflected even in how we were paid. Most of your pay comes from stock because you were an owner. And that, that's the, the kind of radical ownership that is required to make a culture like this work well. Yeah. I mean, I think the hard thing that people are going to have to hear is
1: that either they adapt and their leadership team adapts or a company that is more flexible and knows how to work really well remotely because this isn't going away is going to eat their lunch. And there are a lot of hungry young companies coming up that are willing to embrace this whole new model of remote work. And they're talking about it. They're all over social media channels saying, Hey, if your company won't let you do this, we will. We've been this way forever.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at companies that systems integrators and that, that sort of thing, they're scared to death of places like uh, uh, Zapier, right, that are remote. But they all they do is connect this, the tools, the SaaS tools that teams are using and automate those workflows. Those used to be all-in-one sol- custom solutions that many companies have made businesses of connecting all of that spaghetti code in the back end. They've simplified it. Um, and so I think those more nimble companies that have gone and they've embraced regionally unrestricted teams, created a culture around empowerment, they're going to drive faster and make more progress faster. What do you think, Larry?
1: I mean, the one thing I wanted to point out is everybody acts like this is completely black and white. You're either fully on campus or you're fully remote and you never meet anyone, you never see anyone, and you're stuck in your little office in your apartment or your home, and that's it. That's your life from now on. But I I tell people, look at the companies that have been doing this for a long time. You look at the buffers and you look at the automatics, and how do they do this? Yes, they work remotely. Yes, they have distributed teams. They trust their teams to get things done. They also realize we're human beings. And so once a quarter, they have an offsite. They bring everybody together. They spend the money because they're still saving money by not having a massive campus. They bring the whole team together somewhere. And so they all get a chance to work together for a week at some wonderful location, do the bonding, build the culture, get to know the person that was across the screen from you. And that does make a difference. I did that when I was at eBay and Yahoo. I traveled to meet with my teams at least once a quarter and would spend a week with them and it made a huge difference in our collaboration later.
0: Yeah, I do want to mention that it is not black and white and the whole pur- purpose of this podcast is basically to showcase that you can design a life that you want. You don't have a, you don't need a company to design it for you necessarily because remote work allows you to finally choose what you value. And, um, I hope with the conversations that we've had today and previous episodes and future episodes, that kind of highlights the fact that this is about creating a life that you want on your terms and being able to make a living and pay your bills and, and, and have a good life.
2: I think it's also about doing the best work of your life and working, working in a way where you feel like you have some, you have a piece of the outcome. You have a piece of what great would look like and that I mean that's the thing that I loved about Amazon was that customer obsession. It's that we're all working in the same boat. We may not always agree, but we're going to we're going to keep making progress. So I think I think there's a huge opportunity here for the companies that are have enlightened self-interest. And that's really what this podcast is about. It's that it doesn't need to be just different, it can be better.
0: So what's next guys?
2: Well, if everyone liked what they
1: heard today, I would encourage them to subscribe. Let us know if there's other topics you'd like us to cover. If you need a little help kind of convincing your company to figure out how do we make this transition, how do we do the right thing with the company culture, the processes, and the tools so we could be one of these companies that thrives in this brave new world, we're here to help. So Anna, where can they find out more about us?
0: Yeah, you can go to thebraveworkforce.com or you can check us out at of uh, new dot
2: So that's it for uh, the on-site blind spot. Is that what we're calling it? Let's let's we'll, we'll
0: see. Let's see who so, the uh, the, yeah, the not, show not, notes not writer decides
2: Yeah. Yeah <laughs> to so it at. Uh, it's got to be punny though. It's got to have a dad joke in there. That's the only <laughs> dad joke.
0: All right. I'm not yeah. a dad, so we'll I'll I'll put on my dad hat and we'll okay,
2: see. okay. Uh, so that's it for this week. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and, uh, this is Trip, Anna and Larry saying, have a great week. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and better days are ahead.